You see, when God's people get on their knees, when God's people cry out to Him as intercessors, when God's people boldly stand in the gap, great things happen. Lives are changed. The course of a nation can be altered. And people can be saved. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. And the title of the message this morning is In the Gap. We'll be in Genesis 18 in just a minute. President George Washington once wrote these words. He says, It's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. It was a call for Americans to reach out to God in prayer, to offer prayers of thanksgiving. Throughout throughout recorded human history, faithful men and women, boys and girls, have offered prayers to the Almighty and they've seen some miraculous things that God has done over the years. In the mid-1850s, America was financially and spiritually bankrupt. And a small group of people began to pray for the country. Started out small, just a few people, but by the grace of God, it grew and grew grew into a revival movement. So much so that in the year 1859, one million new Christians joined the church, became faithful Christians. One million new people in 1859 as a result of that small group who interceded on behalf of those in the country. Then in April 1970, the Apollo 13 mission blasted off from Kennedy Space Center, headed to the moon only to run into disaster two days later. An oxygen tank exploded, and it looked like it was a hopeless situation for those astronauts. It looked like there for a minute they were not going to be able to make it home. But with some ingenuity and a lot of prayer, thousands of people in this country hit their knees and interceded, lifted up prayers to God. And beyond all odds, The crew splashed down safely and securely in the Pacific Ocean. You see, when God's people get on their knees, when God's people cry out to Him as intercessors, when God's people boldly stand in the gap, great things happen. Lives are changed. The course of a nation can be altered. And people can be saved. We're talking on the subject this morning of intercessory prayer. Are you an intercessor? What is intercessory prayer? Intercessory prayer is defined by one source in this way. It says it's holy, believing, persevering prayer whereby someone pleads with God on behalf of others who desperately need God's intervention. And an intercessor is basically someone who does just that. Who stands in the gap before Almighty God and pleads that other person's case 
It's a selfless act. It's an act of love. This morning as we look in Genesis 18, we're going to look at the first prayer of intercession recorded for us in Scripture. We're going to learn some things about intercessory prayer this morning as we go along. Well, let's read together. Genesis 18. We're going to begin reading in verse 16. God's word says, When the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham re remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I'm nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. Let's pray. Father, bless this message this morning to our hearts. Help us to learn from your word. Father, help us to learn how to be intercessors. and How to lift up intercessory prayer to you, Lord. Learn about what you would desire. Speak through me, Lord. Help me to adequately preach what you've laid on my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Abraham and Lot had experienced quite a bit together over the years. They had gone through some good times and some bad times. They would experienced some hard times before they even got to Canaan. You remember Lot's father passed away. And so while they were in the land of Ur, Lot joined, joined up with his uncle, Abraham, and his grandfather Terah, 
And Abraham sort of adopted Lot, almost like a father and son. They travel together, they worship together, they serve the Lord together, and their flocks and herds grew. They shared that bond of love, that bond of friendship, that bond of faith. They saw God provide for them through many experiences, both good and bad. And you remember last week we mentioned how they had both been so blessed that their flocks had gotten so large that the herdsmen began to quarrel with one another and they decided to part ways. And Abraham gave Lot first choice. He said, you make your mind up which way you're going, I'll go the other way. And Lot looked out over the plain of the river Jordan and saw how lush it was. The scripture says it looked like the garden of the Lord. And Lot picks that area. He picks the best area and he goes there. Scripture said he pitched his tents towards Sodom. And as time passes, most scholars say between the time they split ways and this chapter that we're just reading up this morning is about 20 years time has passed since they had separated. I can just imagine, can't you, how Abraham must have wondered about Lot all those 20 years. How's he doing? I suppose he probably wondered if he was still worshiping the Lord as they had worshiped him together when they ran together. He probably prayed for him. I know Abraham continued to worship the Lord and serve the Lord over those years, but he wondered about his nephew Lot. Most all of you have got kids that have grown up in church and they've moved off to a bigger place. And you worry about them, don't you? You're concerned about them. You pray for them. You want to see them serve the Lord the way they did when they were in your care. Now that they're in a bigger place, you want to see them do the same things that they did when they were under your care. And this is kind of where we are here on this situation. Now immediately before this passage that we read, three men have come to visit Abraham and Sarah. It's two angels and two angels and one of them and the other the third man is the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ. So Abraham and Sarah don't realize that until they're about ready to leave. But they tell them while they're there that they're going to have a son. And as they get up to leave, Abraham walks, walks them down a little bit. And the Lord decides to tell Abraham what they're going to do. You see, Abraham was a friend of God. And we're told why God decided to tell him what was going to take place. Now God didn't have to tell him what he was about to do. But we're told in verses 18 and 19 why God did. Listen to what it says. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Verse 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised to him. You see, God had plans for Abraham. God knew what he was going to do. God knew that Abraham was going to share with his children and his grandchildren the faith that he had. Just the same way as he had shared it with Lot. And so starting in verse 23, we get this conversation between Abraham and God. And that's what prayer is. It's just a conversation between you and God. Between me and God. That's what prayer is. And Abraham, after finding out what's going to take place, what God is going to do, he begins to plead with him. It's an intercessory prayer. 
So as we look at this passage this morning, I want us to see three things about intercessory prayer that we need to learn. The first thing we need to see is and think about intercessory prayer is guided by His Spirit. Now you and I don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, it says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's guided by His Spirit. You and I don't know what to pray for. How's your prayer life? Is it focused on others? Or is it mostly focused on you? Is a large portion of what you pray about, about yourself and your own family? Or is it focused on other people? So many times our prayers are mostly about us and our needs. They're shallow and they're selfish. I suppose this kind of sums up most of our prayer life most of the time. We pray a prayer similar to this. God bless my wife and bless me and bless the baby, all three. I ask these things in Jesus' name, you see, claiming the promise in John 16, 23. Thanks for the food and for the success. Thanks to you, Lord, we're truly blessed. Isn't that about how our prayers go most of the time? They're not guided by the Spirit. We're supposed to be praying by the Spirit and guided by the Spirit. Ephesians 6 and verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. But in order to pray in the Spirit on all occasions, there's got to be a connection there between us and God. There's got to be that connection. We have to be close to Almighty God if we're going to be guided by His Spirit. Abraham was close to Him. Abraham knew Him. There has to be that closeness there if we're going to be guided by His Spirit. James 4 and verse 8 says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. If there's some wedge of unconfessed sin in your life, it causes you not to be able to be as close to God as you need to be to hear Him guiding you by His Spirit. We have to be close to Him. In verse 23 of that chapter there, notice it says, when God told Abraham what He was about to do, notice what it says, Abraham approached Him. King James says, Abraham drew near to Him. We need to draw near to God if we're going to hear His Spirit and be guided by His Spirit. Intercessory prayer begins with God. Notice, God's the one that brought it up. If God had to, if the Lord hadn't reached out and told Him what He was going to do, Abraham would have no clue. God began the conversation. He's the one that started it. He brought it to Abraham's attention. And then Abraham begins to petition the Lord. So that's how intercessory prayer starts. It starts with God being guided by His Spirit. And Abraham starts to intercede. Petition the Lord and intercede for the city of Sodom. Asking God, will you destroy it for the sake of 50, 40, 30, 20, 10? Have you had times where you felt a tug on your heart to pray for someone or something and you wonder? Why did that pop in my head? I believe it's those times when the Holy Spirit of God is guiding us to intercede for that person or that situation. The Holy Spirit is guiding us in those situations. God invites us to come to Him with intercessory prayer. He's looking for people who will stand in the gap 
and plead the case of someone else. We're told in Ezekiel chapter 22, God was getting ready to bring judgment on the nation of Israel. And in the, through the prophet Ezekiel, God says, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Intercessory prayer is guided by His Spirit. He's looking for those intercessors. But the second thing I'd have us to see, not only is it guided by His Spirit, intercessory prayer is governed by His will. Now God answers our prayers in accordance with His will, His permissive will, and His moral will. God has a will. He has a, a way that things are going to work out already laid out before us. And so He will answer our prayers according to His will. Proverbs 19 and verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's His will. Things are governed by His will. You see, we can pray for things and pray for people and God's not going to answer a prayer of intercession or any prayer for that matter. It's not aligned with what He wants to take place. And we're encouraging by the Apostle John in 1 John verse, chapter 5, verse 14, he says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now how do we know the will of God? How do we know the will of God? Through His Word. It's by His Word that we know His will. We already said that Abraham knew God. Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham was close to God. Abraham knew that God was holy and that God was righteous and that he was a God of justice and that he would do right according to his will and according to his word. And Abraham reminds God what his word said and, what, and reminds God of how he is. He says, will, the, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham reminds him. He says, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating them the same. Far be it from you. Abraham knew whatever action the Lord was going to take would be governed by His will and governed by His Word. Today, God is looking for intercessors. He's looking for those people who know God's heart, who have that intimate relationship with Him. They're guided by His Spirit. And they pray according to what God wants to happen. Millions of prayers are offered up each and every day. But how many of them are really genuine intercessory prayers aligned with the will of God? Intercessory prayer is guided by His Spirit. It's governed by His will and His Word. It guides us in when and how and what to pray for. He guides us according to His will to pray. And that answer that He gives is going to be according to His will. And the third thing I'd have us to see, intercessory prayer is given in His love. It's given in His love. You can't pray as an intercessor for someone if you don't have a genuine Christ-like love for them, can you? If you don't care anything about somebody, you're not going to pray for them. Intercessory prayer is an unselfish expression of love. It's all about the other person. It's not about us. It's all 
others-focused, not self-focused. Intercessory prayer reflects God's own character of outgoing love and mercy. Notice in this passage we read from Genesis 18, Abraham never mentions Lot in the whole transaction. He never mentions Lot. But I know, just as well as you, it had to be in the back of his mind. My nephew's there. And he's wondered about him. He's prayed for him all those years. But Abraham is also concerned about the people of Sodom as well. Will you destroy the wicked with the righteous? He begins to talk to God about the numbers. Do you have a heart for the lost? God had put a heart for the lost in Abraham's bosom. He cared for the lost. Do you care for the lost? Do you have a love for people that come straight from the heart of God? If not, you should. People are walking through the, the steps of eternity, some without Christ. That should bother us. It bothers God. He's not willing that any should perish. Does it bother you? He's looking for intercessors to stand in the gap and to pray for the lost with that same love that He has for them and the same love that He has for us. Interceding for those to try to get them. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. There's so many people who are lost. We need to be interceding for those people so that they can see the light of the world and the love that God has for them. Scripture says, He loved us and gave Himself for us. And He sits at the right hand of God interceding right now for you and for me. Hebrews chapter 7 says, Because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. He's interceding for you and for me right now, standing in the gap. If you and I would be men and women who stand in the gap and intercede for others, our prayers need to be guided by His Spirit. They need to be governed by His will. And they need to be given in His love. Is there someone this Christmas season on your mind or on your heart? As you sit here this morning, God has placed somebody on your mind and on your heart this morning. Someone who needs for you to stand in the gap for them. To intercede on their behalf. Maybe a friend, a family member, or maybe God's calling you to intercede for a lost person in a foreign land. Would you answer his call to intercede for that person? He told through the prophet Ezekiel, I stood wanting somebody to stand in the gap and I found no one. Would he find someone to stand in the gap? He reached out to you. He tugged on your heart this morning. Maybe this morning you realize there's some sin in your life and you can't hear the Holy Spirit guiding you because that sin is there. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God right now, interceding for you and beckoning you to lay it at His feet. Confess it. Be restored to a right relationship with Him. And then begin interceding for others as He is doing for you. Whatever response you need to make this morning, would you just take that one step toward the Savior 
And he will greet you with arms open wide when you do. Let's pray together. Father, it's because of your love that you came as a child, born as a baby in Bethlehem, lived a sinless life, suffered and bled and died on the cross of Calvary so that through Jesus we might come to be saved. Father, help us to show the love that you have for us to others. Help us to be intercessors for those who need. And press upon our hearts, Lord, those who you want us to intercede for. And may we be those ready to stand in the gap for those in need, those that you're wanting us to intercede for. So in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.